last week, we embarked on our journey toward Veritas, this process that we are on to move forward as a church and to discern the direction that God is calling us. We took our first step, and our first step was the step of of the Word of God. And we began where covenanters have always begun, with the Word of God, the centrality of God's Word. This week, again, we affirm that we are headed towards health and mission. We are a healthy church and we are a missional church, but I I feel that God is calling us, as he calls every church, to be even more healthy, even more missional. He's calling us into this, and I believe that this begins with our relationship with Jesus. The vitality, vitality in our own lives, vitality as a church, begins in our relationship with Christ. That the Word of God, as Deb mentioned, as worship, as communion, as prayer, these things are fundamentally a relational act. They bring us into relationship with Christ. That all of our life, everything, comes out of our relationship with Jesus. This is the beginning place. It says, and Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, you must, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. <clears throat> I hear this, I hear Jesus saying in his shorthand way, saying, you have to have a whole new life centered on him, centered on Jesus. This radical life, this, this change that you seem so different from everyone else that they might say that you seem like a completely different person, almost like you've been born again. Now, we know, like, we've heard this word born again, and many of us maybe have some understanding of this, or it comes loaded with some, with some ideas, and I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, born again means that you have been living through life, and you've had this moment of conviction, that you've seen the way you're headed, and you've turned around 180 degrees, you've turned back towards God, back towards Jesus, and you've committed your life to Him. It's this event in your life. You could almost point to it. Many of you can, the day and even the hour of when it happened, of when you committed your life to Jesus. But as covenanters, we affirm both this this is a very common way, but also that some people were raised in the church. And maybe through life they've made not so much one event, but a series of events. That one day they realized that I follow this Christ. I realize that Jesus has saved me, that he has changed my life, and that I desire to follow him with everything. As covenanters, we affirm both. Some people it's a moment, some people it's a series of moments. But ultimately it's the same thing. This life, this heart following Jesus, focused on him. Now, I want to say that this, this new life, or being born again, this new life in Christ is more than knowledge of doctrines or creeds. It's more than affirmations of a certain theology. This stuff is important. It's important to know Jesus. It's important to know about him, to know what scriptures say. But this is something I think about. This is like a foundation of a house. A few months ago, when our place was still just the foundation, you could see, like, there's its important part. The rest of the house is built on it. The part that you live in is built on the foundation, but you can't live in the foundation alone. We can know about Jesus, but we're also called to know him. We're called into relationship with him. I think that's one of the things that the early covenanters were were working towards. They lived in a state church where people maybe knew things about Jesus or they would say certain things that let everybody else know that they knew the right things to say. 
But they wanted this relationship with Christ. They knew that it was more than just saying the right things. It was believing Him, trusting your heart to Him, committing your life to Him. That Christ desires more than a full head. He requires or He desires a full heart. A heart that is passionate for Him. But this also works another way. That I believe that Christ is also desiring more than really good behavior from us. Now don't get me wrong. I believe that Christ desires obedience. God commands obedience from us. That we have been called to live a certain way as His people. To be faithful. To be gracious. To pray for those who hate us. To love those who are difficult to love. To not get caught up in greed and anger and malice. But to be kind and generous. So he calls us to a certain way of living. The trouble is, is when we try to ratchet up our self-discipline to live that way without actually changing our heart. We try to be more and more disciplined. Kind of like this boot camp faith. I'm going to work harder and harder and harder to make sure I do everything right. The trouble with this approach, now it does have its place. I mean, it can help us at times. But the trouble with this is this is how we're going to live our faith. I think eventually we have to, we realize that we have to, in order to kill the sinful desires of our heart, we have to kill our heart altogether. Because of the sinful desires of our heart, we have to suppress it for fear that they might leak out. The trouble with that is that we suppress all the desires of our heart, even the good ones, the good ones that God has placed there. So God is calling us to more than just good behavior. It's funny, it makes me think of something like an accountability group. I don't know if anybody here has ever been a part of one of those. They can serve a good purpose. If you're in a good relationship with Jesus, an accountability group can be helpful, can be an encouragement to remain faithful. But I also know that sometimes they go really wrong. And they become like this group that polices each other. And they rarely address the issues that underlie sin. And they just say, are you doing the right thing still? And you get in really big trouble if you don't. It can have its place, but I don't think that's what Christ desires. You can imagine with your own child, or maybe someone that you dearly love, if they just really did the right things, would that be enough? I mean, it's good and you want that for them, but you also want relationship with them. You want to be close to them. You want to know them and for them to know you. Christ desires our heart. He desires your heart, that your heart be alive, that your heart be connected with Him. He desires that our heart would be growing in faith, that our heart would be growing in our knowledge of Him, that our heart would be growing in knowing how much He loves us, the extent that He's gone to to prove His love to us, how deeply Christ loves us. He desires that our heart would be growing in, its own, in our own desire to follow Him, to be faithful and obedient. If we want to be born again, we need this new heart. More than just more knowledge about Jesus, as good as that is, more than good behavior, as important as that is, but a new heart. A heart with new desires. If we want this heart, if we want to be born again, we have to be in a relationship with Christ. In a genuine, honest, 
relationship. Because I believe that Jesus is the only one who can work at us or work on us below the waterline. You know, there's this part of our life, this tiny part that everybody sees on a daily basis. And then there's this part of us below the waterline that few people ever see. The deep parts of us. The parts of us that have deep pain. The parts of us that have great joys. I believe this is, this is the part where Christ works. He's the only one who can work on this level. Below the waterline. It makes me think of Proverbs. Proverbs 20, where it says that the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. Who can understand them? Christ understands them. And we think about like how, how the, the much of our life lies below the surface. Our heart that drives the things that we say. You know, it's interesting, if, as you read through the Gospels, you'll come across this part where it says, where Jesus says, a good person brings about good things out of the good stored in their heart. An evil person brings about evil things out of the evil stored in their heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see how central heart is. How central it is to who we are, the heart. The heart is the root. It's the root of our lives. It's this place that as I've lived and as I grow older, I see how much people avoid heart. They avoid their heart. It's true, it's the, great, it's the place of their greatest joys, the place of their great memories, of, of holding babies, of, of smiling and spending time with people that you love, of great excitement. This, these things are held in the heart, but it's also the place of our deepest pain. Maybe it's a parent who always seemed to wound us, no matter what we did. never seemed like it was good enough or right. Maybe it was a best friend who betrayed us. We put our trust in them and they failed us. They turned us down. Or maybe it's with a spouse who we've desired to be pursued by them and there's just still no connection. Our heart is the place of our deep wounds. And so many people just choose to avoid it. Rather than living alive, they would rather just live without pain. And they make this sacrifice. They make this sacrifice. I will sacrifice the joy in my life so long as I don't have to feel the pain in my life. And they try to shut down their heart. They try to push it down. Maybe this is making some of you uncomfortable right now. Maybe you're wondering, where is he going with this? Maybe you're trying to convince yourself, well, that's okay, I don't really believe in all that touchy-feely stuff anyways. Maybe you're hoping that you can just let sleeping dogs lie. I don't want to do that. I love you too much to not speak the truth. The truth that Christ is desires our heart. Not just that we'd know stuff about him, not just that we'd try to be a little bit nicer as people, but that our heart would come alive. That our heart would be reshaped by him in a relationship with him. See, I believe that Christ is at work in our heart, mending the wounds of our heart. Breaking down the lies that we have been told. 
the lies that tell us that you're not good enough. You need to keep proving yourself. Or maybe the lie that tells you you're not lovely. No one loves you. Or breaking down the lies that tell us that we have to do this all on our own. That we are the ones, everything goes on our shoulders. We've believed these lies for too long in our lives. It's time that we hear the truth. That we hear the truth that you are good enough. More than that, you are Christ's children. You are, sorry, you are the children of God. That makes you good enough. But above everything else, regardless of what people say, you are children of God. But you are lovely for those of you who need to hear that. That you are lovely and God loves you so much that He gave up His own Son for you. For those of you who think that that everything is on your shoulders, that you have to take care of it, let me disabuse you of your lie. You can't do it. But with Christ, you can do amazing things. It's Christ who you rely on. It's Christ who holds you up. We need to set down the lies and believe the truth that we have been redeemed because of what Christ has done. We don't have to earn our place with God as if we ever could. But Christ has brought us. He has reconciled us to the Father and given us life, life that goes on forever. We've been redeemed, and as Christ spoke in His his first sermon, He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, whether whether you're captive to bars or to a broken heart, to give sight to the blind, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set free prisoners, whatever your prison might look like. This is the truth of who Jesus is, of what he's come to do, to to mend the wounds of our broken hearts. But he's also come to do more than this, too. As important as it is for him to mend the wounds of our heart, he also comes to uncover the sin of our heart. The dangerous ways that we try to defend our heart from further pain that we have come to the conclusion that we are going to protect our heart regardless of who it hurts. This, sometimes it seems like it makes perfect sense to us because it hurts. So it seems logical. We regret that it hurts other people, but it's the choice that we have to make. Christ uncovers these sinful defenses that we have. Maybe it's that we always stay shallow with people. We never talk about much more than the weather or a hobby or a movie that we've seen recently. And when someone asks us about deeper questions, we find a quick way to to escape. We try to defend ourselves, and we never connect with people. Maybe it's anger. Maybe we think somewhere deep in us, we've said, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to, to hurt people before they can hurt me, to defend myself. Or maybe it's humor. I'm going to be funny. So people never really get to know me and we can always make jokes and stay at the, at the surface level. Or I'm going to be cool with people. 
I'm going to be somewhat aloof that I never have to really be in a relationship, never risk uh, the possibility that someone might not really like me. So I'll just kind of live my own life and I'll be aloof. I think a lot of people in our community suffer from that or struggle with that. Sort of their approach to life. There's so many different ways that we try to protect our heart. Ways that are dangerous and ways that hurt others. Because I believe that if we are going to protect our heart 100%, if we are committed to protecting our heart, we'll never risk it with anyone. We'll never connect with anyone. To risk our heart. For a heart to be alive. I believe that Christ is calling us to this. that we'd be able to relate to each other, to connect with each other. As I was thinking, as I was working on this, as I was working on this passage, I was reading through this final bit of the passage where, where Jesus says to them, he says, light has come into the world, but those, but, but people have, have chosen darkness above light. They have loved the darkness over the light because their deeds were evil. And whoever does evil, whoever does evil hates the light. And they do not go towards light or do not enter into the light because they are afraid that their deeds will be revealed. But those, those who live in the truth, they enter into the light. So that all may plainly see that everything that has been done through them has been done through the Lord. Now, I think that probably the, the immediate sense of this is for the difference between those who follow Christ and those who do not. But I also see this applying at least to us or to me in the ways that I, too, even still now, avoid the light. Even I still, too, love the darkness because I'm afraid of the things that will be revealed in me. Maybe it's the pain that will be revealed in me, the anger, the sin, the ways that I've tried to wrongfully cope with anger to make things right. That we are called into this light to live into the truth. That Christ works on us. That if we want this new life, this new heart to be born again, that we must be in a relationship with Jesus. That he would work on the pain in our heart, mending the brokenness of our hearts. And also, too, uncovering the sinful ways that we, that we still try to protect ourselves. That we could repent of those things. And that we might be redeemed and reconciled. This is complicated stuff, talking about heart. This is a dangerous area. But I believe that if we, if we will move into this relationship with Jesus, that he will work in our heart. And things will begin to grow. Not only will the pain of our heart begin to be, will, will he mend, but also the sin of our heart, he will reconcile, that he will redeem. And things will begin to grow. They will begin to grow because of who Jesus is. That he is the Son of God. That he is more than just some great teacher with really good things to say. He is the Son of God. God from God, light from light, truly God. That he is powerful. That he is the one who is powerful enough to, to mend the hurt of our heart. To mend the wounds that we have endured through life. 
He is the one who is powerful enough to uncover the, the subtle ways that we hurt others, the subtle ways that we try to defend ourselves at the expense of others. He will uncover this and work into, to redeem this. He is powerful. And as we sang last week, our God is mighty to save. Jesus is mighty to do these things in us. Things will begin to grow because of who Jesus is and they will begin to grow because of who He is making us. How can you not spend time with Christ and be different? How can you not hear about God's love or begin to understand how deeply God's love you and deeply God loves you and then be more loving with people? How could you not understand and begin to understand what Christ has done, what He's done for this world, what He's done for each of us, and not be grateful? Or the ways that He's provided for us and not be generous. The ways that God has been gracious with us that we would be surprisingly, radically gracious with others. That we become a new creation. A new people. If we will grow, as if each of us will, will move closer in our relationship with Christ, our church will grow. This family will grow in health. More and more people will come and they'll see something different here. I think already they come and people talk about just how warm and how welcoming you are. We are as a family. And when we are in our right relationship with Jesus, we will become even more welcoming, even more hospitable. Each Sunday we have a, a mission moment where we talk about the missions that we are involved in that we support as a church, whether it's through a person in our family that we are, like tonight or today, that we're going to be having a breakfast, not just to support Janet, but to stand with her, to encourage her in this mission. So many things that we're involved in, yet if we grow closer to Christ and our relationship with Him, we will, our hearts will, will come ablaze with even more passion. Passion to see our community different. Passion to see justice done in the name of Christ. To see compassion come in and help people. To relieve people. If we will grow in our relationship with Christ, this church will grow too. And if this church will grow, this community will grow. Our friends and our neighbors, think about people you know who live around you. The pain that they have in their lives. The brokenness. The addictions. The abuse. The loneliness. The things that they suffer from. Imagine how that would be different with the kingdom of God growing through us here. God is already at work. And I know this for sure. But He's also calling us. Calling us into this. To minister in our community to our people, to our neighbors, to our friends, to even our family. Imagine what it would be like. Just for a moment, imagine this. Those people that you've been praying for these last few weeks or maybe these last few years. Those friends, those neighbors, a person in your family. Imagine what it would be like if they experienced this new life in Christ. If they experienced this new heart, this heart that was no longer trying to get through life with just minimal pain, but actually this heart that was alive. Jesus talked about, I've come to give you life and life more full. Imagine if those people experienced this life. Imagine how our community would change. If we will grow in our relationship with Jesus, if we will grow in our relationship with Him, 
this church will grow too. This community will grow. This world will be different. I pray that you hear God speaking to you this morning. I pray that you hear God's Spirit moving. I pray that you hear Christ drawing you into a relationship with Him. That if if we want to be born again, we have to be in this relationship with Christ. We have to receive this new heart. That He is the one who will mend our brokenness. He will mend the pain that we have. And He's the one who will uncover the sinful ways that we try to protect ourselves at the expense of others. Then things will change. We will become a people. Each of us will become even more a people who are passionate about Christ. As a church, we'll become a church passionate about Christ's concerns in the world. This is what I desire for us. I pray that you hear God's Spirit this morning. I pray that you hear Christ calling you, calling your heart into a relationship. Amen.